You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Come with me back in time to Janesville, Wisconsin. And the, uh, the date is uh, May 31st, 1899. And uh, anybody been to Janesville, Wisconsin? I was checking with uh, Paulette Ben Dixon Brown earlier. Where's Paulette right here? Her home state is uh, Iowa, the state next door to Wisconsin. Well, on this particular occasion, back in 1899, there were three men meeting together in a hotel, having a real good meeting, uh, discussing a vision that they believed God had given them. And uh, the vision was huge in terms of its potential impact. They thought on America only, but it turns out on the entire Western world. These guys had two things in common. They were all travelling salesmen and spent a lot of time in hotels. And they all had a great love for God and a desire to see his, his good news spread as far and wide as possible. Some of you are probably a step ahead of me. What happened on this day was the inaugural meeting of an organisation we've come to know as the Gideons. And uh, these three men, I have their names here, Samuel Hill, John Nicholson and William Knights, they met in this hotel in, uh, in this little town in Wisconsin and they believed God had given, us, given them this vision to place a Bible in the room of every hotel in the United States of America. Well, of course, their vision, as we know, uh, has gone much wider than the US and it's impacted virtually every part of the Western world. Who has read a Gideon's Bible in a hotel or a motel somewhere? Who hasn't? Oh, don't worry, it's okay. Uh, it's, we understand. You probably had your own. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the obvious question is, well, why did these guys call themselves the Gideons? Well, in the words of these three men, it's because they could identify in their ministry with this character Gideon. They thought the vision was huge the vision God had given them. They felt incredibly inadequate, but through his strength, they did achieve the vision. And you know, guys, that's, that's a great summary of the, of the life of Gideon. He was an ordinary man, a very humble man, a very reluctant superhero, but he was one to achieve greatness for God and for his people. And in the time we have this morning, I simply want to highlight Gideon's life with God based on three things he said, three statements he made during the course of his life. I think these three things will give us an insight into the kind of relationship Gideon had with God and will certainly give us an insight into how we can relate to God and our walk with him. I think we'll be impressed by his honesty, by his vulnerability, and I hope we're going to be impressed and inspired by his courage. Look, the first comment from Gideon we're going to look at comes from an incident recorded earlier in the sixth chapter of Judges, not the one that Jane read to us a little bit earlier. It's the moment when Gideon receives his call from God to be the one to rescue the children of Israel from the constant attacks of the nasty neighbouring nation of Midian. I know I'm going to always adore alliteration. I'm going to, I know that. I love that sort of all words that start the same. From the text in here in uh, Judges chapter 6, we get, the, we get the impression that Gideon was a very frightened farmer. Here he is threshing the wheat, not outside in the field where you'd expect, but indoors, in the wine press. Why is he doing that? 
because he was afraid that the Midianites who surrounded his area may see him, may come and plunder his crops and maybe do damage to him and his family. So I guess understandably, this guy's a little bit scared. He's a bit frightened, trying to go about his work as a farmer indoors, which is no mean feat. And then in verse 12 of chapter 6, the angel of the Lord appears to this man, as so often happened in the Old Testament times. And I love the words of the angel of the Lord. The, the angel says to Gideon, this frightened farmer, the Lord is with you, brave and mighty man. Now, I, I've, I've been around Dale Carnegie circles for many, many years. I think this is what we call in Dale Carnegie terms, giving a person a fine reputation to live up to. You know, you kind of place a, a, a title, a mantle on somebody's shoulders in the hope that they'll grow into that expectation. It's a great leadership principle. Also works in reverse, by the way. You keep putting somebody down and they'll, their self-confidence will be diminished. Well, it's almost comical what happens then, of course. Uh, Gideon says, what? what? Who, who are you talking like, oh, You mean me? Me, brave, brave man, brave and mighty man. You're talking about me. Wow, I don't kind of see myself like that. But he soon regains his composure, does Gideon. And in the 13th verse of the 6th chapter, we have... Gideon's sheepish comment to the Lord's servant, or the Lord's angel. Listen to what he says. If I may ask, sir, if the Lord is with us, well, what's happened to all the wonderful things our father told us the Lord used to do? Ouch. That's a little bit of a reality check for the angel of the Lord. I mean, isn't that an incredibly honest very human response in the face of hardship and setback and disappointment. Lord, you say you're with us. Fantastic. If that's the case, how come there's so many things going wrong? You know, what's that all about? If you say you're with us. You see, what was happening with Gideon and the nation of Israel, they were becoming preoccupied with their circumstances Rather than focusing on their convictions, their theology, the things they knew deep down they could really hold on to, they were becoming more preoccupied with their circumstances rather than the convictions that had got them to where they were. I will remember how encouraged I was, inspired really, many years ago. I was introduced to a simple three-word formula which is designed to keep your focus on God particularly when your circumstances become very adverse and very difficult. And this, three, this little three-part formula, which some of you have heard me share in other settings, has really got me through some tough times. The three words are fact, faith, and feeling. Fact, faith, and feeling. And look, guys, the facts of the gospel are there. They're there for all time. God stepped into history at a certain point. He gave us Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us how to live life. He showed us the kind of relationship you can have with the Father. He died on the cross for our sins. He was raised to life. The living Christ comes to us in the power of the Spirit every day and says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Nothing can separate you from my love. They're the facts of the gospel in, in a compressed Form. And then there's the faith. By faith, we embrace these facts. It takes a faith step to embrace the reality of Jesus Christ. But once you've made that decision, and it is a decision, it's not just like a, some kind of what, it's a real decision to invest in a relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son. Those two things remain constant, or at least can remain constant. 
Now, I've done that over the years, as, as so many of you have, resulting in meaning in life, purpose, joy, sense of fulfilment. That's some of the things that the gospel delivers. However, at times, I don't always feel all that strong in my walk with God, and nor do you. There are times of doubt. There are times of disappointment. There are times of sadness, times of despair, times of just wondering, what's it all about? My feelings, your feelings, they fluctuate, do they not? You know, up and down. <laughs> Under the right circumstances, they go all over the place. But friends, our feelings are the least reliable of the three components of this little three-word formula. Fact, faith, feelings. In other words, how I'm feeling at any one time need not have a bearing at all on the facts of the gospel. Need not affect at all my faith investment in God through Jesus. Need not affect those at all. Feelings go up and down. Can't trust feelings. So here in the sixth chapter of Judges, against the backdrop of a long history of God's faithfulness over many generations, Gideon receives the message, the Lord is with you. And his natural response at the feelings level, because of his circumstances, his natural response is to ask, well, if that's the case, if you're with us, how come so many things are going wrong? And very graciously, God just gently responds to Gideon. Doesn't rebuke him, doesn't even give him a smack in the, in the head. He just gently, gently reminds Gideon about the facts and the faith. That's what he does. And in verse 14 of this sixth chapter, he says, Go with all your... Sorry, go with all your great strength and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I myself am sending you. That's, that's God's way of saying, listen, Gideon, press forward in me. You have my promises. You have my strength. You have the memories of how I've worked with you in the past. You will prevail. Press forward in my strength. And look, friends, I wonder if this theme keeps recurring here at Northside in the passages we're looking at. And it does. It keeps recurring all the time. Uh, Sam preached on this last week uh, at the night service. Powerful sermon. It, it keeps recurring. I wonder if it's God's way of reminding us of the fact that, that, that he is with us during these tough times. Because some of you, I know, are going through some very tough times right now. There are some very tough pastoral situations unfolding within our church family uh, in the area of health, in the area of, of employment. We've had a number of our, of our men lose their jobs in the last couple of weeks. And uh, some of you are facing big health issues personally within your family. And there are relationship struggles and difficulties in that area as well. And I wonder if because this thing keeps recurring, it's the Lord reminding us, I am with you. Be not afraid. Do not see me through your circumstances. See your circumstances through me. And there's a big difference. Don't lose sight of the facts of the good news. Don't lose, don't lose hold of the faith you know has got you to this point in the past. Uh, that was God's word to Gideon. I think it's his word to us today. I really do. Well, there are two more comments from Gideon I want to, do, uh, I want to just look at very quickly, touch on before, we, before we're through. 
The first is from the reading that was brought to us by Jane. It's Gideon's expression of apprehension following God's challenge. He was going to be the leader to rescue the people. And his words, oh, you say you've decided to use me to rescue Israel. You say you've done that, Lord. But I want proof. I need proof. I just can't go on what you say. You've got to show me. Of course, what follows is the incident that Gideon is probably best known for, the, uh, the so-called fleece test. And we've all done that some time or other. Lord, show me a sign. Just need to get confirmation of what I'm feeling you want me to do. It's a very natural response, a very human response. We can all identify. Mind you, this is an area of Gideon's life that could really arouse feelings of envy and, and, and even downright jealousy within us. I mean, how would you like something as spectacular as this? If you're seeking God's guidance. I mean, he got his sign all right, didn't he? You know what happened, like the fleece, a little bit of wool put out on the, uh, on the ground. First test. Hit that with all the dew you can, but leave the surrounding area dry. God said, no problems. Really trying to get your attention, Gideon. It's going to happen. And, of course, Gideon, you know, wow. Look, just, just bear with me just one more time. Just, just one more time. Like, tonight, make the fleece dry and around the, around the surrounding area wet. Can, can you do that? Just, just, just need to get that. It happened. How would you like that? In terms of confirming God's guidance in the, in the big decisions we face. You know, should I leave this job? Should I take this job? Should I make this move? Should I be in this relationship? Should I go ahead with this treatment? Should I serve in this particular area of ministry, whatever? You know, these are the kind of things that we, that we wrestle with. And many of the times when we'd love clear direction, really, yes, go that way. But friends, can I be very honest this morning and say, you know, that, that sort of moments don't come all that often. You know, you, you, most of us, even, even you know, good, strong Christians, you can go through a lifetime, okay? A lifetime. And the number of times you get a 100% guilt-edge guarantee confirmation, you might be able to count it on two hands in a lifetime. I, I say this based on my mixing and moving in Christian circles all my life. You know? I mean, I can, trace, I can trace in my own personal experience defining moments, defining moments when it was crystal clear what God wanted me to do. And one of them, no prizes for guessing, was my call to the ministry. So some of you know that story. I haven't got time to give it now. But like, I would have been crazy not to have responded to that call. I can't imagine what my life would be like now if I hadn't responded to the crystal clear, crystal clear call from God, Graham, you are to be a minister. It was just so clear. As was the, uh, my decision to, to marry Bev. That was a call of God, mixed with a little bit of yeah, hormones and stuff as well. But uh, the two combined beautifully together. Uh, I, she was in the first service. I'm, I'm kind of expanding on the point in this service because it would have embarrassed her in the first service, but she's gone off somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> the decision to go to my first church. I, I was offered many churches around Australia. I, 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 it was crystal clear God wanted me to go to Brooklyn Park Church of Christ in South Australia. That was just so like a light beam. As was the call to the Marian Church, the next... Uh, the next big 
call of mine. As was the call to come here to Northside. As was the call of God which I shared with a number of you who were in leadership at the time when we were challenged to go into a partnership with a developer to produce this beautiful ministry and conference centre. And those of you who are with me on that journey will know how strong that call was. Powerful. Your friends, you know, these relate to significant moments, significant turning points in my life. And I praise God for the clarity of his call at those points. But, you know... Like, for the rest of the decisions in my life, yeah, hundreds of them every month, dozens every week, um, you know, that's, that's largely, they're largely just huge steps of faith. Just huge steps of faith with as much information as you can get. It's a blind faith. Drawing on the guidance of your spiritual mentors as much as you can getting as much peace as you can through prayer and through the reading of the scriptures. It's a, it's a process. It's not just like, oh, gosh, you know, blind faith. It's a process involved in seeking God's will. But that's how it is for most of us most of the time. And, and in one sense, we can envy guys like Gideon and Moses, Joshua, because they've got, the, they got the flash of light. you know. But, you know, in another sense, we can be a little sad for them because we have something they didn't have. We have something these Old Testament characters never had. We have a clear record of the life of Jesus Christ. His teachings, his example, his witness. If you like, he's like one giant fleece in terms of the guidance we need on how we should live our lives, how we should forgive, how we should respond to situations of justice, the pathway we should walk on. He's the giant walk this way. Here's what, here's what God wants you to do. Follow Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's the idea. And friends, combine all this with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and you soon realise we have a clear advantage over some of these Old Testament guys. God had to get their special attention. We have Jesus Christ. We see his life and witness. We, 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 we are in touch with him day by day through prayer. So the final utterance from Gideon I want us to consider this morning. Gideon's ultimate victory cry. A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. The real battle cry, isn't it? You see, Gideon went on to achieve a great victory for God and for his people. Despite his initial fears, despite his apprehension and his need for a sign, despite his sense of inadequacy, despite his focus on feelings rather than on the facts and on the faith, Gideon achieved a mighty victory for God. He became a superhero. He had a decisive win over the vast forces of Midian, even though his army was reduced to just a few hundred guys. And that's another story in itself. If you're not familiar with that one, check it out in Judges chapter 7. Uh, all the process they went through to get the army from thousands down to 300 strong fighting men. It's an incredible story. But you know, that, that, that assertion, that battle cry, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon, that was... Ultimately, the signal that God was in control. He had the final word, and it was good. And he always does. Has the final word, and it's good. Look, friends, I don't know exactly where you are today. I know where some of you are, because I'm working with you through pastoral situations. But, you know, we can all receive tremendous encouragement and inspiration from Gideon. You might be at the point, well, if the Lord is with us, how come so much is going wrong? That might be you this morning. It might be God, I need a sign. 
I'm really torn as to what to do. I need a sign. That I... I hope we can all eventually get to the point where it's a sword of the Lord, or rather a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Because you can take the analogy of the sword as far as you want to. Sword of the Spirit, you know, the word is the, is the sword of, of truth. And, and swords cut through things. Swords cut through disappointments. They cut through heartache. They cut through sadness. They cut through anxiety. The sword of the Spirit does all of that. A sword for the Lord and for you and for me. It's God's ultimate victory cry. And friends, it's what got Gideon through. His circumstances still, still, still remain pretty tough. But he knew ultimately he had victory. And that's what we get from this guy. Get into Gideon. Judges 6 and 7. Get into it this week. It's a great passage. It will inspire you as it's inspired me.